Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association of North America's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association of North America or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Clay Nully with TSAOG Orthopedics in San Antonio. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Miho Tanaka. Dr. Tanaka is an assistant professor of orthopedic surgery at Harvard and is the director of the Women's Sports Medicine Program at Massachusetts General Hospital. She was also the author on a paper entitled Radiographic Landmarks for the Anterior Attachment of the Medial Patellofemoral Complex, published in the April 2019 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal. Dr. Tanaka, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So let's start off with just what you think are the main takeaways or the main conclusions that you would like our readers and listeners to take away from the article. Yeah, sure. So, you know, the study talks about the medial patellofemoral complex, which is kind of a newer term that we've used to describe the traditional MPFL. Uh, and the reason for this study was that earlier anatomic studies had described that the MPFL attaches not just to the patella, but also to the quadriceps tendon. And when you take that into account, the midpoint of that is a little bit more proximal than what we previously thought. And so this was a follow-up to that anatomic study just showing that the radiographic landmarks are also a little bit more proximal uh, than where we had previously thought because many people use uh, fluoroscopy during NPFL reconstruction to guide their patellar tunnel and femoral tunnel placements. Um, and basically what this showed was that uh, the midpoint of the MPFC, as we call it, was about 19% of the articular surface uh, from proximal to distal. And so that can be used as a way to kind of guide your patellar tunnel placement if you're drilling a hole in the patella at the time of surgery. Yeah, this was a great study. I, I really enjoyed it. it one of the uh, key things I, I thought that, that you just mentioned is your, your guys was a ratio or a percentage of the articular length of the patella, not necessarily the total patellar length or height, as has sometimes been you know shown or, or sometimes used right. in previous anatomic studies, which is a very key difference. So can you kind of just describe yeah. that and how that kind of maybe changes the, the point or changes the insertion? Yeah, absolutely. So you're exactly right. I think, you know, historically, we have always thought, you know, that the midpoint should be somewhere around the junction of the proximal and middle thirds of the length of the patella. Obviously, we know from previous studies looking at patellar height that the articular surface on a lateral radiograph is a lot more consistent because of differences in the morphology of the patella itself. Um, so that's why we decided to use the articular surface. Um, <clears throat> and with this, uh, you're right. I think it's a little bit harder to compare the percentages, um, but you know, one third of the way down the entire length of the patella is certainly more distal than 19% of the articular surface. But I think it allows for two things. One is that if you're um, looking at the patella directly at the articular surface, you can kind of use that as a gauge. Um, and the other thing is that, again, radiographically, I think there would tend to be a little less uh, variability uh, based on individual anatomy when you're looking at that. Yeah, that's terrific. It seems like the, the there's been so many changes kind of back and forth with the when it comes to the evaluation uh, of the medial complex of the knee. I mean, just as little as, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, you know, people were still talking about doing medial reefing or, you know, medial repair. And then there's a big kind of paradigm shift to uh, MPFL, medial patellofemoral ligament reconstructions. And then now it's almost like we've kind of gone back to the anatomy and we've started to look at it even in more detail and, and some right. of the work that obviously you've done and then even your co-authors on this paper, Dr. Tompkins and Dr. Fulkerson have done a lot of really great work from the anatomy and introducing us kind of the, the medial quadriceps tendon femoral ligament or MQTFL that people describe now and 
And so then part of that was part of the study, as you described that, you know, the origin um, inserts as well on the quad tendon as well. And so can you kind of take us maybe through that, that kind of change and our thought process and the anatomy and, and how it relates to the quad tendon and not just the patellar insertion and maybe even yeah. how that's kind of changed some of your thought process and clinical approach? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting because if you look way back at the original descriptions of the medial patellofemoral ligament, most of these studies will actually say, not in their data, but in the discussion and different areas, that there were some fibers extending to the quadriceps tendon in some capacity. Um, so it's not that, you know, these more recent studies by Mochizuki and Dr. Fulkerson and myself um, have discovered these, but it's more so that we have brought attention to it and, um, you know, started maybe or revisited the conversation of the clinical significance of these fibers. Um, because like I said, certainly they've been kind of described um, in the past. Um, and, you know, the way this particular study evolved was um, it started more with the anatomy. And I became really interested in Dr. Fulkerson's work when he started talking about the MQTFL. And at that point, I was doing some dissections of my own. And, you know, he had called this a distinct ligament that was separate from the MPFL. Um, and so I started looking at this, uh, and I thought that it was more of a single ligament that had variability. So some attached only to the patella, which is what we think of as the MPFL, some attached only to the quadriceps tendon, which is, you know, his concept of then QTFL. But the majority of them uh, that I dissected over the course of, I think that study was about 30-something knees, um, the majority of them had some fibers that attached to the quad and some fibers that attached to the patella. And it averaged about just about half. Um, about 57% of fibers attaching to the patella. And so um, when I talked to him about this, uh, we decided to kind of combine our work and, and to really say, okay, well, if this is one ligament, we should call it a, a complex to allow for the variability in the attachment point. Because when you hear MPFL, it implies it attaches only to the patella, um, but the complex will kind of allow for that sort of variability. And because we both do single-stranded uh, MPFL or MPFC reconstructions, um, we wanted to know where the midpoint was of this very broad attachment that typically spans over, you know, three to four centimeters on the patella and the quadriceps tendon. So that actually led to our combined anatomic study where we looked at using a computer software, looking at the bisecting line to look at where the midpoint was of this complex. And it was there that we determined that the most common midpoint of this complex was actually at the junction of the medial border of the quadriceps tendon with the articular surface of the patella. So right at the point where the quad tendon hits the patella uh, is a very reproducible point for this. And so because of that, uh, because that is a little bit more proximal than we would normally think, um, that led to this study, which is, you know, if we mark that point, what does it look like radiographically? And I think the point, you know, that I would want to make with this is that just because the anatomic studies have described this as a little bit more proximal and kind of at the junction of the quad tendon and the patella, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's above or proximal to the, the bone of the patella, so to speak. So, you know, when you're looking at a, a lateral radiograph um, and looking at the lateral patella, obviously 
the dome or the apex of the superior pole of the patella is higher than where the um, the medial border of the quad tendon would meet the articular surface, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, the, we're making the point that, you know, just because it's more proximal doesn't mean it has to be way above the patella and on the quad tendon. Uh, and in fact, you know, if you look at it clinically for me now, I've moved my patellar tunnel uh, just a little bit more proximally, I would say, you know, something around like the 10.30 to 11 o'clock position, whereas it used to be more like the 9.30 position or so. Um, and in order to do that, you asked about, you know, how this changed or how that's influenced my surgical technique. You know, if you're going to move it up a little bit more proximally, I think you do have to direct the tunnel a little bit more distally. So instead of going straight across, um, you know, in order to maintain a good bony bridge for that tunnel, you want to direct it a little more distally. So that's what, uh, that's how I've changed my technique. John Fulkerson will say, you know, he attaches it to the exact same point at that junction, but he sews it to the quadriceps tendon. So we essentially kind of do the same um, fixation point. Um, but at this point, you know, which one is better in terms of sewing it to the quad tendon versus attaching it to the patella? That's kind of still to be determined in future biomechanical right. studies. Mm-hmm. So are you using an anchor um, and, and, and it, with a graft, either autograft or allograft, and then and then placing an anchor with the graft in the tunnel? I know you mentioned he sews it adjacent to it. Are you using uh, some sort of anchor fixation? Right. Uh, so I uh, dock it. And so mm-hmm. I have a 4.5 millimeter tunnel that's about, you know, 10 millimeters uh, in depth. So not a very big or long tunnel. We obviously want to try to avoid, um, you know, putting multiple holes or big holes in the patella, obviously, with the risk of uh, patella fracture. And that's one reason why you know, Dr. Fulkerson likes to use the MQTFL because there's, you know, no risk of that. Um, but yeah, I just do a, a single um, tunnel and then it gets tied over, the sutures get tied over the lateral bony bridge. Um, and really, you know, I think you're probably aware of that study out of Mayo, which was the meta-analysis just showing that there didn't seem to be any difference in clinical outcome when comparing cortical fixation versus um, tunnel fixation for that procedure. So I think how you fix it at this point doesn't seem to um, matter as much uh, as as where you fix it. And of course, you know, the conversation goes to, we all know that the femoral fixation is obviously very, very sensitive um, to to the uh, location of the femoral tunnel and uh, the graft function uh, depends a lot on where that goes. But we're trying to kind of bring the attention more to the uh, patellar side as well. Yeah, that's, which I think is terrific because I think as you alluded to, there's been many studies and, you know, and, and a lot of discussion about, you know, the femoral, the femoral point of fixation. And if that's slightly off or, you know, a little bit too anterior or whatever, how much that alters the mechanics of, of the, the graft in general. And then the, obviously the patellofemoral mechanics, but certainly obviously there's two points of fixation and, and bringing a little bit more attention to the patella, I think is important too. Cause I think, you know, like we said, historically, a lot of times we were going a lot more distal just because, you know, we thought that would be the best point of fixation, or maybe there were some, you know, there were initially some studies that, that showed that to be okay, but this is certainly some of the research you all are doing is certainly kind of maybe shifting it a little bit proximal or at least shifting, you know, our idea of where it goes proximally, it sounds like. 
Yeah, that's the that's the idea. And um, I would say, you know, that this is purely both of these uh, have been um, purely anatomic studies looking at the midpoint. So, of course, you know, when we're talking about surgical reconstruction, we're always trying to be anatomic. Right. And we think that's best. Um, and of course, this is looking at the midpoint um, of this. But certainly, you know, there needs to be follow up in terms of biomechanical studies in terms of how this functions. Right. And how the graft functions at this attachment point versus others, and of course, the clinical outcomes as well. So, um, you know, I think it's a good reference and a good guide. And, um, you know, you can use these intraoperatively to kind of make sure that you're in the right ballpark. Uh, but in terms of the exact fixation point and uh, how that fares down the line, I think we still do need more studies. That's great. So you've done, you've done a number of really, really impressive uh, anatomical and biomechanical studies. Now I, I love these studies because I always, I think we always, always somewhat kind of take it for granted and kind of think, well, I learned all the anatomy and I know the anatomy really well. And I learned it all years ago in training. And then we see one of these studies and we're like, oh, maybe, maybe I didn't know it nearly as well as I think, as I thought I did. Um, and so these yeah. are great. And so um, I always love reading these types of studies for that reason, because I always feel like it kind of takes me back to the anatomy where we all started. Um, and so how, so you kind of alluded to it. Is, do you think the biomechanical studies of some of the, you know, the new fixation or some of these techniques that you guys are doing now and, and more people are doing, is that the next step? And then you mentioned the clinical studies. What is the next step in terms of the research of the, of the medial patellofemoral complex of the knee? Yeah, so I think certainly um, we do have some ongoing studies, and luckily uh, one of them was recently uh, founded, uh, funded by the Arthroscopy Association, um, looking at how the graft functions based on whether you attach it more proximally and attach it to the quadriceps tendon. Um, and I think that we really need to see that in addition to um, just basing it off of the anatomy. Like I said, the anatomy is a good start, but certainly we need to um, prove that it functions uh, just as well. And then, of course, if that happens, then we need to really see that uh, that it does as well clinically in terms of outcomes, uh, scores, and um, uh, and complications, um, and redislocation rates, and things like that. So uh, I would say, you know, those are kind of the next steps that we would be looking at. Um, one of the ways that, you know, uh, one of the resources I would say that has been unique uh, to our institution or to my prior institution was having dynamic imaging where we could watch patellar tracking during CT. And so that has given us a lot of new information in terms of what happens both pre and post patellofemoral stabilization surgery. Um, and that's given us a lot of insight uh, and the ability to really quantify what's happening um, with these types of procedures. So I think the applicability of that, you know, to, uh, to this sort of concept is kind of the next step and where we're hoping to go with this. That's terrific work. Dr. Tanaka's article, Radiographic Landmarks for the Anterior Attachment of the Medial Patellofemoral Complex, can be found in the April 2019 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Dr. Tanaka, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Please join us next time.